I pledge allegiance to the flag, the white flag. I pledge allegiance to the flag of America. When they say black or Negro, it means you're not an American. I pledge allegiance to your flag. Not that I have to, but just for the hell of it, I pledge allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, the white flag, with no stripes, no stars. It is a prestige badge worn by a profitable, profitable minority. Yeah, I pledge allegiance to the United States of America. I pledge allegiance to see that someday they will live through their own promises to the victims that they call citizens. Not just the black ghettos, but the white ghettos, and the Japanese ghettos, the Chinese ghettos, all the ghettos in the world. Well, I pledge allegiance, all right. I can pledge a whole lot of allegiance. You think I'm jiving? If this is an ism that I have to die for by my beliefs and what I've seen and how I've suffered in this goddamn society called America, let somebody use one of those. Not that I'm that important. Kennedy was important, but hey, incidentally, what Yoda Hip said is uh, more than coming true. I mean, you think about Abraham Lincoln, you know. You know how hard it is to get a guy like Kennedy? You can't have one of these. It takes about 20 to get a guy like Kennedy. Yes, yes, check, check. Hello, and thank you for listening in. I go by the name of RW, and this is Movie Podcast. So today I'm going to take a little bit of time to talk about the documentary titled Mingus Charlie Mingus in 1968 it was if I had to guess I'd say it was recorded probably in 67 and it's a brief document of the American musician bass player composer band leader Charles Mingus at this point in At this point in his life, he had already been actively pursuing his craft for 20, 30 years. He's in his 
late 40s, 50s. He's living in New York, holed up in an apartment with his daughter. He was in this building with the intention of turning it into a music school. Through certain workings of the powers that be combined with his own his own negligence and not paying rent, he's in the process of being evicted from this building. And that's uh, what the filmmakers, the documentarians focused on. I'd recommend anybody watch this movie, especially if you like music, because because it, it, this is a film about the struggle of the artist. And it's a sobering document of personality. Because Mingus, through his passion, his anger, and his humor, it made him one of the most electrifying figures in music. And I'd argue one of the greatest band leaders to practice jazz. He was the true successor to Duke Ellington and Count Basie. He practiced the form to the greatest effect during the form's more most turbulent and divisive period. Because when you really, like, the way I look at it when I watch this movie, I think about, you know, it's 1967. This is following some serious flashpoint events in the history of our country. The assassination of MLK, JFK, Bobby Kennedy, Malcolm X, and then combine that with the death of John Coltrane, and immediately connecting to Mingus, the death of Eric Dolphy, one of his closest collaborators. So you take all that, and then you bring it back to Mingus, someone who's lived through all of this, and you and you put him here in this apartment, hold up, waiting for the man to come and take his shit. He's drunk, he's paranoid, he's pissed off, and he's been stonewalled by the powers that be. But he's also not really, you don't see him coming to grips with uh, maybe some of his own fault in the matter. It's that part of him that really made him brilliant, in my opinion. It's uh, Most of the shots are just of him over the course of a few days just hanging out in this apartment, this uh, large space that he claims to have attempted to rent out uh, to serve as a school, as a music school. But you look at it, it's just him in the place, him and his daughter, and the place is, uh, there's shit everywhere, there's bottles everywhere, it's cluttered. He's got, he's fucking shooting guns at the ceiling. Because he doesn't give a shit. The cops are going to come take it all anyways. He's fucking, he's boarding up the windows. Like, he's really playing that come up and get me, you bastards kind of thing. Which is, once again, the man was brilliant. Based. All that. He was about that life. And the scenes that 
make this film stand out, that don't just make this a movie about some that don't make him just look like a bipolar crackpot trying to fight the establishment are are these scenes that show him performing it's a uh, split apart throughout the film i'd love to see the full unedited footage of this performance i'm sure it's recorded somewhere but it's him playing with a uh, augmented quartet with a few horn players him playing with a little quartet with uh Danny Richmond, his longtime drummer and associate. And yeah, man, they're just swinging. It's a fantastic performance. He was, I think, the great American band leader of that time. He just looks so relaxed and he's just perfectly in time. Nobody will play the bass like that again. With that fluidity, with that passion. with that certain uncertainty i think they can i think i think his skill came a lot of ways not only did it just come from just playing music all his life and always being involved in bands but i think it also came from his kind of spiritual disposition in one scene he explains his uh it's fucking insane but he explains how he feels his spirituality is intertwined with his music and his sexuality crediting one of his uh one of his greatest uh musical works pithecanthropus erectus to this certain uh philosophy of sex that he held for himself like i said the guy was insane but also just completely ahead of his time i mean if you if you really listen to his music and you look at what he did it like that shit still sounds fresh today there's he was so ahead of his time he was the american musician he forecasted every trend and participated in none of them even just this idea of privately putting together a school to teach jazz like he failed in it. The cops shut him down. But, like, in the 70s, Sam Rivers would uh, run this same play with a great effect. He kept the free jazz scene alive. They called it uh, the loft jazz scene. And in the 1980s, Ornette Coleman, he did something similar in New York with his son. Uh, and so it's like he was right. They just It just didn't work out for him. And it's also just, it also coincides with the strange thing that happened with jazz music in that it became a form that got taught in schools right around this time. And there's a great book called uh, This Is Our Music that, uh, that talked about, and it kind of, it laid out the... Uh, kind of the point at which jazz music started to become a part of like music curriculum in schools when it was thought of as by this point it was already thought of as more of an art form and not purely a uh, entertainment 
and it mostly focused on, I think it was the AA, AACM. I can't remember, it was this organization out of Chicago that the Art Ensemble of Chicago arose from, and they were some of the first people to really push for jazz to be taught in schools. But this was something different. I'm not, I, I think I'm getting off track. So, yeah, so Mingus is, he's in his apartment. He's fucking around. He's drinking. He's playing the most beautiful piano lines you'll ever hear. It's haunting. And he's also hanging out with his daughter and saying really crazy shit around her. She's like probably like five or six. Like, uh, there's one scene where he's uh, he's sitting with his daughter at the piano and he's sort of venting his thoughts on uh, unrealistic body standards and pornography magazines. And uh, while he's doing this, his daughter punches him in the gut and, <laughs> and he says, here I wrote this down, he says, quote, I need to lose that. I'd have lost that if I had my school. And then in that uh, same scene, he proceeds to share his wine with his daughter. And, you know, you could criticize this, but I find it endearing to his character. It's very European. I think the man's logic was impeccable. And I bring that back to him showing off his guns, talking about, talking about, like, talking about his uh, theories on who killed Kennedy fucking blacking out the windows <laughs> just like it on the surface it looks like total crackpot shit but then you kind of just you kind of realize that he was he was right when you see the cops actually show up and start taking all this shit out and like they don't give a fuck they're happy to do this they're hamming it up for the camera they're, thro they're like throwing all this priceless shit like his his fucking base they're just throwing it all into a trash truck, and then you see him fucking saying to the camera, "Oh yeah, we're gonna take it into storage." It's like you know you're you know they're not gonna do that, and then they arrest him. The last scene in the movie is, it's literally him getting like, he's watching all this happen. There's cameras everywhere, and then they fucking arrest him because they find uh because they because they find uh, needles and pills, and the whole time while he's getting put away in the car and he's in like it's it's fucked up he never loses his humor he stays as he's getting arrested he's got a smile on his face probably because he knew that this whole thing was being documented and he knew he had a safe face for the camera brilliant even in the harshest conditions This is a portrait of the American artist being boxed in by the man. The final shot of the film is his upright base getting trashed. Transparent till the end as uh, he's watching all this happen, as he's watching all this, uh, his space get evicted. There's a, uh, a news camera and a news microphone there and they're asking questions and uh, as they ask him questions, Mingus just very, <laughs> he very calmly says to the camera, quote, I hope the communists blow you people up.
So yeah, this is a this is one of the greatest documentaries ever made. This is the portrait of the American artist. Maybe it's a cautionary tale. About maybe it speaks to a certain truth about ego and bipolar disorder oppression. But more than anything, I see it. I see this movie as very inspirational to anyone who wants to live for music and follow their passions and try to share that with others. When speaking of his spirituality, Mingus said, quote, be ready to touch death and life. I think this dude went hard. Maybe he lived for himself. Maybe he got too deep, and maybe he wasn't paying attention to his own behaviors. Maybe. He was guided by the Thumos and the Muse, and he raged against establishment, and he didn't give a fuck. And he believed in freedom. And these bitch honkies arrested him and broke up his chance of teaching people that. But, like I said, a lot of that was his own doing. It goes two ways. And you can see this duality printed in perfect black and white on this movie. And if there's only one thing you really want to take away, like, you don't need to entirely take my word for it. I, I just like this documentary. I'm a fan of music, and I've watched it a few times, and I always get really fired up and inspired when I watch it. So there's really only one thing you can take away, just... Watch the performance. Watch the way he interacts with the crowd and with his band. And those insane bass lines he plays. And just how locked in they are. And just think of the spirit that's driving him. And think of the forces that are against him. And the stress he was probably under. As a parent. As a man in America. at probably the craziest times to be alive as a free-thinking musician watching all the other free-thinkers get fucking killed by the government yeah, this is you should definitely watch this movie it's on YouTube it's only an hour you never know you might just learn something you should listen to the music because it speaks to something profound and something I'm not sure if we'll see again. So yeah, that's, uh, that's my thoughts on that movie. Not a whole lot else going on right now. Went to the beach yesterday. Swam in the Atlantic Ocean for the first time. Looked out at the horizon. So I got that going. And that's really about it. Hope this finds you well. Hope you have a wonderful week. Thank you for listening.